get out of here. And here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on Monday, February 4th. That was uh, courtesy of my main man, Pete Durba, a great friend and listener of the show. Also a big Pats fan, uh, as he is a uh, Andover Mass native. So congratulations to him and all the other Pats fans, friends of mine that are out there. Um, we, uh, we give you congratulations. That was a, a little mashup he did for me. Pete's also a musician. He knows how to use, uh, garage band software much better than I do. And so he did a little mashup. So that was me, of course, making fun of the Patriots and Tom Brady specifically two weeks ago when he was trying to do the underdog card thing. Uh, and then that was also me referring to, I believe, Conor McGregor. <laughs> so, in any event, Peter, thank you for that. That might be our new theme song going forward. <laughs> All right, big show to get to. As always, I am your host, Jamal Hayden. We've got the Super Bowl, of course, which we will lead off with. And then we've got, uh, we'll discuss the Kristaps Porzingis trade uh, that the Knicks did uh, last week. That, uh, you know, some, basically is a lot of... Uh, Opinions on, and uh, we'll give you ours as well. But we begin with the Super Bowl, and uh, look, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I understand if you're a Pats fan, you're tired of everybody complaining, and if you're a Patriots player or member of the Patriots organization, I guess you 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 care. I don't see why you would, because you win all the time, and you're in the damn Super Bowl almost every year. Uh, you win it more than you lose it now, and um, you know. It's hard to. I don't see why people, again, outside people within Pats fans, you know, the players and the coaches. I honestly don't care about. They they have a job to do and they do it well. So that, that that's fine. Uh, I mean Brady. Look, Brady's as annoying as they get. He's smug beyond belief. Um, you know, there. You know, there's there's nothing. Unless you're a Patriots fan. It's the same thing with Kobe Bryant. Unless you're a Lakers fan, I never understood what the appeal of Kobe Bryant was. Same thing with Brady. If you're a Brady, if you're a Patriots fan, of course I understand why you love him. But if you're not, I can't see how you could stand him. And obviously Belichick would talk about ad nauseum. Um, but why their fans find it so hard to believe that the rest of the country can't stand them is, 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 is a little surprising to me. But anyway, we digress. So... I would like to start the game, uh, the show off with a quote from uh, my main man, Justin's oldest son, Leo, a wise young man, uh, currently matriculating at Georgetown. So uh, hold on. Let me pull this up. Got a, got the text from my man Rubes this morning. Um, to quote Leo, somewhere in an alternate universe, Saints Chiefs is tied 38-38 and it's the best game of all time. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I mean, that game last night was awful. Simply awful. I mean, I think even if you were a fan, well, certainly if you were a fan of the Rams, it was painful to watch as your team went three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, four place punt, five place punt, three place punt. Todd Gurley inexplicably on the bench. The offensive genius with the magic hair gel, I guess, uh, I guess the magic hair, hair gel dried up in Sean McVay as he kept his best player on the bench for large portions of the game, and his quarterback was a deer in the headlights. The, the, the young phenom, Jared Goff. 
So the game was awful. And even if you were a Patriots fan, I don't see how. I mean, I guess it was exciting when you watch the Patriots on defense because they were stifling the Rams' offense. But uh, it's not like the Pats' offense did anything last night either because they didn't. Ungats. So it was just a horrendous game. I mean, it had no flow, no pace. And, you know, listen, I am from an era when defense used to win championships. Um, that ain't it last night. Yes, I understand the score was, it was a low-scoring game. And, yes, you give the Patriots credit for stifling the Rams' offense. And, look, give the Rams' defense credit, too, for stifling the Patriots' offense. But that wasn't great, hard-hitting, exciting, fun defense. There hardly any turnovers. There was one turnover, right? Brady threw an interception on the first drive of the game. Of course, the Rams did nothing with it. Um, Brady got sacked and fumbled another time. Of course, the Patriots recovered as his charm life continues. Um, and before you come at me with, oh, well, last year against the Eagles, Brandon Graham. Yeah, okay. That was at the one time. Because the year before against the Falcons, he fumbled a couple times. And, of course, they recovered them both. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, so it wasn't like it was a hard. I, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, Nikel Roby Coleman got called for tackling, illegal tackling last night. Now, of course, it ended up not hurting the Rams because I believe that was the same drive that Brady threw the interception and they ended up punting, whatever. Uh, or no, sorry, that was the missed field goal by Goskowski, who never misses anything. When I saw that early in the game, I thought, hmm, you know what? Maybe this run that the Patriots have been on, maybe that's a sign that it's going to run out. It shows what I know. Um, so it, it didn't cost the Rams, I guess, because Goskowski missed the field goal. Although I think that would have brought up third and 20. And maybe if the Rams get a stop there, they get better field position, you know. But whatever. You can't gripe with it too much. It's just my point is it wasn't like it was a super fun game to watch defensively. Maybe because it was in a dome. I don't know. Maybe that's something to do with it. But, I mean, obviously both teams played well on defense. But it wasn't like, again, because defense is, is, you know, the, the kind of hitting anyway that if we're going to be honest with ourselves, that was one of the reasons we like football is because it is a violent sport, um, is, is, is no longer exists. I mean, look, look, look at the, the, the Nicole Roby Coleman play yesterday. Nikel, rather. Nikel Kobe. Nikel Roby Coleman. Boy, that's, it's a mouthful. Uh, look at that play. I mean, on what, in what universe, on what planet is that uh, an illegal hit? And then, you know, and, and this is the thing. I, the, listen, I, everyone sits there and slurps Romo about how great he is. He diagnoses plays. And that all may, may be well and good. And by the way, I've been a Tony Romo supporter on this show for years as far as his quarterback play. I do not like him as an announcer at all. Uh, the, the, the self-satisfaction between he and Nance is, is, is sickening. I find his voice to be annoying. Um... And he never says anything controversial. He'll never question anything. It's, it's quite irritating to me. And so you have him and, and, and Nance trying to whitewash that. So they bring in Gene Steratore, who, of course, is going to toe the company line and had the nerve to try to say with a straight face that that definitely was a penalty because he didn't let the receiver get set and then start to run. Or some, some ridiculous explanation. I mean, it was absurd. That was a clean, hard tackle. Now, I'm not saying that that's why the Patriots won the game. It is not what I'm saying at all, so don't misunderstand. What I'm saying is that even for people like myself who do appreciate good defense, I did not think last night's game was particularly exciting to watch. I didn't think it was great defense. It was sloppy offense. Yes, I understand 
the defense had something to do with that for both teams, but there weren't a lot of sacks. Like I said, weren't a lot of turnovers. It just it wasn't great. It was just a bad game. It was just an ugly, dull, boring game. I mean, look, am I, am I, I'm not going to lie. The fact that the Patriots won didn't help. The fact that I had six score change boxes and didn't win a damn nickel because when there's no scoring, you can't have any score changes, didn't help. The fact that I bet on the Patriots but had to get cute and tease it with the over and give the Patriots getting points so that maybe they could cover but still lose and I could get the win-win, didn't help. Had I done that with the under, I would have gotten at least at least I would have gotten paid. But I got to have the Patriots win and I lost money. So I got the lose-lose. So I'm not gonna lie. Didn't help, didn't help my 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 uh, demeanor this morning when I woke up in a in a ornery mood. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even watch the end of the game. I think after Burkhead's long run. I turned it off, went to bed, and, and started watching True Detective. Uh, yeah, it was just a hideous game. Awful. And look, I'd love to blame this on refereeing. Other than the terrible call on the holding penalty on Gurley's 13-yard run, which, by the way, did change the entire complexion of that drive and ultimately the game. But other than that, I can't really gripe too much. Eh, they let some stuff go in a secondary, but I thought they did it actually to be fair for both teams. Um, and of course, oh, here's a perfect. <laughs> so, so the play where uh, Brandon Cooks was want, runs uncovered up the seam, up the hash, and a Goff waits too late to find him, and then b so then he throws the ball late, and then b compounding matters. Leads got, uh, Cooks back towards the goalpost instead of towards uh, the pylon. So that, listen, give, give Jason McCourty credit for seeing it and coming off his man and making a mad dash towards the end zone and, and, and you know, hitting Cooks so that the ball came on, uh, loose and it was incomplete. If that's Even with Goff recognizing it late, which he did, a better throw to touchdown because McCourty, the throw led Cooks into McCourty. Now, again, I, I give McCourty credit for the hustle, but a good throw, he, he's not there in time. And by the way, Brandon Cooks, hold on to the damn ball. Of course, by the way, you know when Brandon Cooks was on the, Cooks was on the Patriots, of course he makes that catch. Didn't he, didn't he make some ridiculous catch last year for the Patriots to beat the Texans after Brady throws a game-losing interception only to see it get dropped by the Texans' D-back? On third and twenty, uh, on second and twenty-three, and then of course on third and twenty-three, the, the Patriots converted, and then I believe like two plays later, Cooks made some ridiculous, t- you know, uh, you know, uh, toe tap catch in the side of the end zone with a, a, a defender draped all over him. Of course, when he's on the Patriots, he hits, he makes that catch. Last night, of course, against the Patriots for the Rams, no, he can't do it. And then later in the game, also dropped a touchdown. That yes, he was defended on the play. I'm sorry, catch the damn ball. So that first drop by Cooks also cost me money because in one of my pools, I had 7-3. Rams 7, Patriots 3. Score was 3-0 at the time. He catches that to kick the extra point. Jamming pants is in the money. Nope. Nope. So listen, talk about just a horrific outcome for me overall, (laughs) purely from a selfish standpoint. Pats win. 
ugly, unexciting game, and I lost money and then also didn't win any money on my Super Bowl boxes. I mean, generally speaking, in a score change box, the way these things work, if you have five or six boxes, you're going to probably win some money. And we had decent numbers, too. We had like one seven three five three three four four. I mean, we had some pretty decent numbers. A pretty good chance if there was any scoring at all, we would have won a little bit of money. But I won ungats, nada. Oh, and just for laughs, guess guess who helped the Patriots with their defensive game plan? That would be one Matt Patricia, the Lions head coach. Because the Lions played the, uh, the Rams earlier this year and did a pretty decent job on shutting that offense down. So he talked to his boy, Bill Belichick, and shared some notes. Probably talked to Brian Flores, poly prep graduate, by the way. Congratulations to him. Officially named head coach of the Dolphins today. It's a proud moment for our, all of us poly prep alumni. So happy for Brian. Um... But, uh, yeah, so Matt Patricia also contributing to my misery in a roundabout way. <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't know what else to tell you. It was just a horrific game. It really was. You know, I mean, Julian Edelman wins the MVP. I mean, yeah, I understand he had 10 catches. Um, you know, I guess you can't give the MVP to a, 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 an entire unit. But if anybody was MVP, it was the Patriots defense as a whole. Um, and you know what? Oh, the, you mean the Julian Edelman? That's a steroid cheat. That one that missed the first four games of the year this year for steroids or some banned substance. Yeah, that guy. But but now he's he's a hero. He's gritty and gutty, and he's a hero. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure Pat, Patriots fans will get all bent out of shape. And oh, uh, you know, oh, it was some, it was some, uh, you know. Uh, some weird uh, thing and it wasn't even steroids I, I'm sure there's a million excuses as there always are every time the Patriots get caught cheating or one of their players gets caught cheating so I mean it, I mean listen it, it is, is, is irritating and frankly uh, maddening as it was when the Patriots came back and beat the Falcons two years ago at least that was a thrilling and a hell of a game I mean last night's game was just a flat out dud I mean, at least you were, we were entertained in the Falcons Super Bowl against the Patriots two years ago. And last year's, granted, if you're a Patriots, anti-Patriots guy like me, of course you're happy that Philly won, although I have no love for Philly. But as we talked about last year, Jim Schwartz, defensive coordinator, Torrey Smith, Maryland grad on that team, I, I, I found ways to, to help improve my, my support for Philly, who I ordinarily root against. Um... But, yeah, I mean, the Falcons game was a good game. Granted, yes, the Patriots won in maddening fashion, of course. They should have never, you know, the Falcons should have never lost that game. Same thing with the Seahawks. I mean, that was a really fun, thrilling game. Lots of great plays, back and forth. Last night was just, it was just dull. Nothing happened. I mean, look, even the great Tony Romo, he didn't have much to say because there's nothing to say. There's nothing, there's nothing going on. It's just a horrible game. And Brandon Cooks, by the way, if I was a Rams fan, you couldn't get him off the team fast enough for me. I mean, I understand his numbers look decent. He had a couple decent plays here or there. He was awful. Now, look, Goff was also horrific last night. Horrific. 
Give the Patriots defense credit. Give Belichick credit. I mean, Brady didn't do anything last night. I wouldn't have had nothing to do with him. They ran the ball well. Made 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 throws when they needed to. The throw to Gronk was a great throw, but that's that's classic Brady. Would come to expect that. It set up their lone touchdown. Um, other than that, not a lot to recommend the game, frankly. I mean, Hightower played a nice game. Stephon Gilmore played a nice game. Trey Flowers played a nice game. He's going to look good in the uh, Honolulu blue and silver, by the way, Patriots fans, when he plays for, when he's playing for the Lions next year. Of course, he'll stink for the Lions. Of course. I mean, but by the way, that's the thing. Isn't it interesting? There was an interesting article in the in the in the in the post today about how Nate Solder, right, who the Giants gave a huge contract to, which I was not a fan of at the time. I said he's a good player, not great. Giants are paying him like he's a great elite left tackle. He's not solid, right? So the Patriots smartly let him go, didn't give him a big contract. And they replaced him with Trent Brown, who was a seventh-round pick in 2015. Couldn't start for the 49ers, one of the worst teams in football. Somehow, he's a starting left tackle. I mean, is Dante Scarnecchia, the, the, the Patriots offensive line coach, is he that good? He's just He knows things every offensive line coach in the league doesn't know? Is that what it is? He somehow knows secret techniques that no other... I mean, every team's got an offensive line coach. Most of the offensive line coaches in the league have either been doing it for 25 to 30 years or they played in the league or they played in college. You tell me they don't know the same techniques that Dante Scarnecchia knows? Yet somehow, Patriots never miss a beat. Rex Burkhead, who was like a fourth string, maybe adequate third string running back for the Bengals... But somehow for the Patriots, he's really good. Why? Did he teach him a new, a different running style? Looks the same guy. Looks like the same guy to me. I, I mean, I, it's unbelievable. So you know, the Patriots are paying this Trent Brown nothing. The Giants are paying Nate Solder. A king's ransom, and the Giants' offensive line stunk this year, and the Patriots win the Super Bowl. I, I mean, I honestly, I, I don't. It's a rhetorical question. I know. I, I have no answer. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, how how is Kyle Van Noy, who's one of the worst players I've ever seen, suit up in a Lions uniform, now making plays all over the field for the Patriots? I mean, listen, I get it, guys. Sometimes it takes a little while. You can explain certain things away. I understand. Some guys are better suited for schemes, certain schemes than others. I understand all that. I get it. Sometimes there are specific reasons why. But, I mean, it, it seems like it happens all the time with the Patriots. All the time. I mean, look at Malcolm Butler. It's a perfect example. Now, he was always way overrated because of the one play in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks four years ago. Right? And even though the likes of respected writers like Peter King tried to make him out into something he wasn't, which was a number one top shutdown corner, uh, he he he's a nice nickel corner. That's what he is. And if you watched him play last year for the Patriots, by the way, you, you'd know that because he's not a number one corner by any stretch. He got beat all over the place. But, of course, the Titans apparently don't pay attention because they gave him a huge contract. He was awful for them this year. Awful. So he'll get cut next year because they don't want to pay that contract. And he'll go back to the Patriots, of course, and sometime, and he'll somehow be effective for them. I guess their secret is they ask guys to do only what they're good at. And they figure out what, they, what guys are good at, and then they, they only ask them to do those things. I guess. That's got to be it. 
It's like my old, it's my can be corollary. Stop worrying about what guys can't do and focus on what they can do. And that really ultimately is the definition of good coaching. Right? And listen, for as irritating as his public persona is, Belichick is definitely the best at that. You know what? The Patriots coach every week to that specific opponent. Belichick is not that concerned about his precious system the way all these other coaches are out there. Right? And Patricia tried to do some of that with the lines this year. Sometimes they play 3-4, sometimes they play 4-3, sometimes they play man, sometimes they play zone. You know, you'll, you've seen it for years with the Patriots. They play a team with a bad run defense, they'll run the ball 35 times. And Brady basically just stands back there and just hands the ball off. They play a team with a terrible pass defense, Brady will throw the ball 35, 40 times, and they'll carve a team up. I mean, it sounds simple, and it is simple, but it's, it's amazing how many teams miss this constantly. And the Lions are supposedly moving in this direction, we shall see. So, listen, overall, uh, a terrible night for me personally, but I know that I am not alone. Uh, Most of the country thought, again, forget about the outcome. Forget about the fact the Patriots won. The game itself stunk, flat out stunk. Awful. All right, we'll be back right after this. All right, we're back here on the post-Super Bowl edition of Jamal About Sports, Monday, February 4th. So, big trade in the NBA uh, last week involving the Knicks and the Mavericks uh, with the Knicks trading Kristaps Porzingis along with Tim Hardaway Jr. and his horrendous contract uh, as well as Courtney Lee and his not very good contract um, and Trey Burke who wasn't making a lot of money but pretty much wasn't in the, the future plans for the Knicks for Dennis Smith Jr., whom the Knicks should have drafted two years ago instead of Frank Nilakina, point guard out of NC State who had fallen out of favor in Dallas. Uh, they took back a couple of expiring contracts and DeAndre Jordan, the excellent defensive center, who I believe I said in the summertime, that's who Mitchell Robinson is going to be, maybe better, but at his worst, he should be DeAndre Jordan, a shot blocking, rebounding menace um, and score, you know, 10 to 15 points in a game on dunks, on putbacks and alley-oop dunks alone, which is what DeAndre Jordan does. And then Wesley Matthews Jr., who's like a shooting guard, small forward, not very good, makes also a, big, a, a lot of money. He's a good locker room guy. He's, he had a couple, one very good year, I think, with Portland. His play has really fallen off, though. He's had a bunch of, he's had, I believe he's had two severe knee injuries in his career. You know, he's a good, he's, a, he's, a, he's an RKG, right, kind of guy. You want him in your locker room. His play just hasn't been very good over the last couple years, though. Um, and, you know, he, he also has a big uh, expiring contract. So that was the big trade, by the way. Not over yet because the, th- the trade deadline is this Thursday, so we'll probably see some more moves, uh, I would think, out of the Knicks and uh, all o- across the league. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis last week uh, and his agent, who's also LeBron's agent, making it known that Anthony Davis doesn't want to stay in New Orleans, um, which led to you know cries of collusion between you know the Lakers and uh, LeBron's agent and Anthony Davis's agent because, of course, the Lakers want to get Anthony Davis there, pair him with LeBron. Apparently, the Lakers are now making yet another offer. They're basically offering half their team for Anthony Davis, like the Knicks did uh, 10 years ago, or not 10, but what was it, eight years ago for Carmelo. The difference there is that Anthony Davis can actually play. 
And he actually is a, a top-notch player, unlike Carmelo, who is just a one-dimensional scorer. Um, and by the way, was there a more embarrassing sight than a couple of weeks ago on that Sunday, I think it was either afternoon or Sunday night game, when it was basically all tourists and, and not real Knicks fans there. So I guess you could forgive it. But you know, there's Carmelo, of course, injecting himself into the conversation somehow uh, to supposedly ostensibly to watch his good buddy Dwayne Wade play. And they put Carmelo up on, on, you know, on the big screen in the garden and he got you know, a big ovation. For what? I mean, could there be a Nick with a less significant career than Carmelo Anthony for what he was supposed to do and be? I mean, unless the significance is he set the franchise back by 10 years, then for sure he was a significant Nick. Other than that, the guy did zero when he was here. Nothing. Oh, I'm sorry. They, they barely escaped past a bad Celtics team in the first round of the playoffs. And then lost to a, a, an Indiana team that they were better than. And Carmelo Anthony in the biggest pl- spot in that series got a shot sent right back in his face by Roy Hibbert. That's Carmelo Anthony. So please, enough with this idea that Carmelo Anthony was some kind of great all-time Nick. He whined his way out of Denver. The Knicks panicked. Not the Knicks. James Dolan panicked and traded for him, even though he was going to be a free agent. They could have just signed him, gave away half the team for the guy, and it set the franchise back 10 years. Which brings me to the Porzingis trade. So there's a faction of Knicks fans out there very upset about this. I suspect they're all about 25 years or, or, or old or, and or younger, and they don't know much about the history of the Knicks and what the NBA is all about. Because, look, the Knicks, I get it. The Knicks have been such a disaster and such an embarrassment for so long now that KP was a slight glimmer of hope, right? The unicorn, 7-3, he could shoot the three, he could play in the post, he could dribble, run the floor. I get it. He had a couple of nice bright moments here and there, a couple of bright spots, but exactly what did the Knicks ever do with Kristaps Porzingis? By the way, a guy who has missed a ton of time already very early in his NBA career due to injury. I mean, Kristaps Porzingis is no established superstar. Yeah, he was the best of the sorry state and the sorry bunch that the Knicks have been over the last however many years. Okay. But he's not established. He certainly, in my mind, wasn't off limits. Now, did the Knicks get a lot back for him? Doesn't seem like it. Dennis Smith Jr., again, that's why I wanted the Knicks to take instead of Frank Nilekina. Now, his NBA career is not off to a stellar start. He had an okay rookie year. I think he averaged about 14 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. You know, but on a bad Mavericks team. And apparently, he's got some attitude issues. Um... And he was not having a great year this year. It wasn't terrible. 13 points, 5 assists, 4, 3 rebounds, something like that. I mean, look, for the pro-Frank crowd that, that exists, particularly in the Twitterverse, if, if Frank Nilakina ever put up a game with 13 points, 5 rebounds, and, and 6 assists, like Dennis Smith Jr. does, forget it. They'd be going crazy. Let's enshrine him into, let's put his number up in the rafters next to Clyde and Ewing. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. is a supremely talented and explosive player. So obviously the hope there is that the change of scenery does him good. Fisdale in particular does him good the way he has helped Moutier's game. 
and you have yourself an explosive athletic point guard, a Russell Westbrook type. Not saying he's Russell Westbrook, but a Russell Westbrook type. And you get the two huge expiring contracts, plus two future first-round picks, by the way. And I think it's either going to be 22 and 24 or 21 and 23. Particulars still need to be worked out due to some other trades that the Mavericks had made, uh, particularly with the, the Hawks last year, or this year when they traded, or last year in the draft, when the Hawks traded Doncic and his rights to the Mavericks for Trey Young and his rights, but I believe the Mavs also gave away back a first-round pick to Atlanta, and I think that pick may now come to the Knicks, but it's about lottery protection. It's a lot of vagaries, if you will. But the bottom line is the Knicks got two first-round picks, a ton of cap room, and a potential point guard of the future who's still only 22 years old, who has the physical gifts. Okay, Nilakina has no physical gifts. We know this. Dennis Smith Jr. has a ton of physical gifts. Has he parlayed them into consistent NBA play yet? Not even close. Certainly a big risk, but he's got upside. He has potential. Nilakina does has none of that. So I don't hate the trade at all. Now, where it gets dicey is the fact that this is a Steve Mills, you know, who's the president of the Knicks. Scott Perry's a GM. Scott Perry, so far, I say, you know, he's only been here for, what, about a year, year and a half? So far, his moves have been pretty decent. I mean, they got Moutier last year. It's turned out to be a decent player. Look, they've assembled all this young, raw talent. It obviously hasn't worked at all, but that was, it was never designed to work this year. The whole idea was to look at a big, you know, throw against the wall, basically, and see what sticks. Throw a bunch of guys out there that are former failed lottery picks of fairly recent vintage. See which of these two or three, maybe even four guys can play or are fit for your team. Let the other ones go and try to build your team that way through the draft. Now, they seem to have shifted gears because now they're going to make a big run at Kevin Durant. They're going to probably make a run at Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, Clay Thompson is going to be available as a free agent as well. Chris Middleton from the Bucks, who's an under-the-radar player, very good player, coming into his own at age 27. Um, so, and obviously the Knicks are going to have, I think, the worst, the top four pick. They're the worst record in the league right now. Of course, with the new lottery system, they the, top, the three worst teams now all have an equal percentage chance of getting the first overall pick. And look... There's a lot of debate, right? Everyone loves Zion Williamson from Duke and his athletic ability. Uh, there, people are, are mixed as to how much that translates at the next level, particularly in today's idiotic NBA where, you know, everybody needs to shoot 17 threes a game. He's not an outside shooter. Now, maybe Fisdale actually coach smart, like we just talked about before with Belichick, and coach to your actual talent of your team and not try to jam a square peg in a round hole. Here's an idea. Maybe get a shooting guard that can make a lot of threes. A small forward that can make a lot of threes. Maybe have a point guard that will also make the occasional three. I don't understand why also my center has to shoot threes and my power forward I have to have a stretch four. My power forward. Has, I mean, Charles Oakley couldn't play in today's NBA. Couldn't play. Bernard King couldn't play today's NBA. I don't want to see an NBA where that is the case. It's ridiculous. But getting back to this Knicks trade, 
I like it. And then, you know, but here, here's the problem. Steve Mills has been around here forever. He survived the Isaiah Thomas debacle, the Nuclear Brown Sanders debacle. He's been here forever. No one can figure out why. Obviously, Dolan loves him. I guess, you know, he, he went to Princeton. You know, he's a smart guy, but he's not proven to be a very smart basketball guy because the Knicks have been a disaster since he's been here. So if you want to take the tact as a Knicks fan that, listen, this team gets no benefit of the doubt from me, that, that's fair. I can't argue with you. It's like the Mets, same thing, right? When the Mets make moves, your first inclination is to be skeptical because they have not engendered trust in the fan base because they've spent most of their time making horrible decisions. But let's not pretend... So if you're upset that KP was your guy because you're a young Knicks fan and he's exciting and whatever, that, that's fine. By the way, where are all these people that booed the pick? They never heard of Chris Tapp's Porzingis, okay? Now all of a sudden we're up in arms that the Knicks traded the great Chris Tapp's Porzingis. Great in what respect? There's no greatness there. There's a lot of potential if he ever steps on the floor again. He's coming off a major knee injury. And I understand ACLs aren't like they used to be, but there's no guarantee he's going to be the same player. And by the way, that same the same player was a guy who had about a nice 40-game run over the course of three years. I mean, he was a terrible closer, never finished games strong, team, seemed to get tired late in games, got pushed around a lot. When the Knicks needed a big basket and they tried to get him the ball, and they did get him the ball, he would not get himself to good spaces on the floor and get good shots. He'd take bad shots, just like his boy Carmelo. So, I mean, what are the Knicks really giving up here? Other than a big name, again, who, by comparison to the dreck that the Knicks were trotting out before Porzingis got there, yeah, he looks great. But by comparison around the rest of the league, I mean, I see people on Twitter saying, oh, the Knicks should have traded Porzingis and Nilakina in a first-round pick for Anthony Davis. Are you high? Do you think, Nor if, if, De- if Del Demps, the New Orleans GM, made that trade, he should be fired for negligence. I mean, that, that would be the dumbest trade on the planet. Do you have any idea that Anthony Davis is a thousand times better than Christoph Porzingis? Not even close. Not even close. If you pulled every GM in the NBA and you said, who would you rather have, Anthony Davis or Christopher Brazingas, they'd laugh at you. So let's not act like Christopher Brazingas is a future Hall of Famer, even by the very lame standards of professional basketball, where it's the, participata- the participation trophy of Hall of Fames, because it's not the NBA Hall of Fame, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. So you could get anybody that contributed to the sport of basketball. I mean, listen, that's fine. I get it. That's how you want your Hall of Fame to be. That's fine. I pre- well, although I was going to say I prefer mine to be like baseball or football. Although, given the recent inductees into both of those sports, that's also now becoming participation trophy standards too. Mike Mussina in the Hall of Fame is a joke. Really good pitcher for a really long time. Never won 20 games. Never won a Cy Young. Sorry, not Hall of Fame worthy. Harold Baines, really nice hitter. Great DH. Nice guy. Got in the Hall of Fame, not Hall of Fame worthy. Sorry, not even close. Okay, Ty Law just got in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I know he played for the Patriots. Uh, not a Hall of Famer. And neither is Champ Bailey either, by the way. Great name, ran real fast. Uh, not a Hall of Famer. But anyway, I digress. 
So let's not pretend that KP is some lock to be a star in this league. Now, of course, if things stay true to form in recent Knicks history, he's going to go get paired with Luka Doncic down there in Dallas, and he's going to be a monster. And they're going to be a two-headed monster down there. They're going to give the league fifths. We'll see. And, you know, look, now there's a lot of stories coming out. They seem a little convenient that Porzingis didn't want to be here. Although, you know, I have to say there were a lot of signs that he was not particularly enamored with this front office and maybe being in New York and his brother, who's also his agent, you know, made indications of that, right? I mean, look, he blew off the the exit interview stuff a couple years ago when Phil Jackson was here. He got crushed for that. I didn't think it was a big deal because I hated Phil Jackson. So uh, Phil Jackson's a clown as a president. Look, great coach, good player. He's a terrible executive, awful. Couldn't have been worse. And he conducted himself in a horrendous fashion. So the fact that Porzingis blew him off didn't bother me at all. But that's a personal thing. If you're going to look at it objectively, when your boss asks to see you, you go see your boss. You don't act like a, a, a spoiled brat. Even if your boss is a jackass and incompetent like Phil Jackson was as president of the Knicks. You still show up and act like a grown-up. So to be fair, so you know what? That was a bad sign. That was a bad look by him. Again, emotionally, I liked it because I don't like Phil Jackson. But if you're going to look at it objectively, it's a stupid thing to do by Porzingis. Then you know, Fisdale went out of his way this summer, bent over backwards, flew out to Lithuania, took his wife, visited him, wined and dined him, right to connect with the guy. Porzingis did all of his training and all his rehab away from the Knicks, did it in Barcelona, did it here, there, everywhere, the seven C's, seven continents, everywhere except for MSG and the Knicks training facility. But Fizdale still went out there to try to connect with the guy. And then Fizdale makes some very offhanded comment about, oh, he's still just doing light running in his rehab. And then Porzingis takes it all personally and then posts it on his gram, man. This is the other problem. I mean, these millennials. I know I'm a grumpy old man now. I know. I get it. But, I mean, I, I can't take it. There's Porzingis posting on his Instagram account that he's running up and down the floor and dunking. Good, good for you. You know what? Have, have a thinner skin if you get a chance. I mean, it was a, it was a throwaway innocuous line by Fizdale, right? I mean, they asked him an update. He said, I think he's just still, still doing some light jogging. But, by the way, probably to protect Porzingis, to keep the expectations low, that he, he might even not come back at all this year. And now, by the way, the Mavericks pr- pretty much announced that he's not going to come back this year. So, But Porzingis got all upset about that. So it seems like he didn't really like being here anyway. Now, again, I, I get it if you want to say, well, it seems awfully convenient that all of a sudden now he told the Knicks he don't want to be here. But there are definitely some signs that he didn't want to be here. So if you don't want to be here, get out. You ain't that good. It's like Ralph Connor's old line. <laughs> when he asked for a rage from Branch Rickey, he said, you know what, Ralph? You and your 40 home runs, we lose 100 games with you, we lose 100 games without you. <laughs> you know what? Knicks have stunk with Chris Porzingis. They could stink without you. So if you don't want to be here, hit the bricks. I have no issues with it. It's positioned the Knicks now to sign two max players. Now, will the Knicks do it? Mm. Recent history says no. I mean, if you're Kevin Durant, why would you come to the Knicks? Unless you know you're going to bring a good buddy with you like Clay Thompson, and you know they get Zion Williamson in the draft, and they've got uh, you know let's say let's say Dennis Smith Jr. for the next thirty or so games looks like he's a keeper, 
And then maybe they keep a Moutier, too, for depth. Maybe they trade Nilakina in a package for somebody else or another pick. And maybe, you know, you keep a Noah Vonley on a team. You've got Trier. You've got Mitchell Robinson. Kevin Knox. Eh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not thrilled, but, you know, whatever. He's a young piece, I guess. Luke Cornett could be a decent backup center in a league as his three-point shooter. I know. I know. This is, this is basketball today, folks. 7-1, camped out behind the three-point line. <laughs> but Brad Sellers and uh, oh, who's the other dude? Oh, Justin, I need you here right now. Brad, Brad Sellers from the Bulls, who's a seven-foot, skinny seven-footer, loves shooting from outside. And who is, who's the guy I'm thinking? The guy from Iowa? Oh, my God. I can't remember his name. There are a couple of, of tall, big men back in, like, the 80s and 90s that loved shooting from outside, and their coaches hated him for it. But my point is those guys were way ahead of their time. They were born too soon. Those guys would be thriving in the NBA right now. Brad Lomax? Lomack? Won't, what the hell? Oh, my God. Why can't I remember his name? Anyway, so bottom line, I have no problem with the Porzingis trade. None at all. Now, unfortunately, the Knicks are a horror show, and my prediction earlier in the season that even though they're going to lose games, it's going to be fun to watch, it seems to have been maybe one of the dumbest things I've ever said, because <laughs> I can't even watch them anymore. I mean, they, they, they give you no effort on defense. Um, you know, they play, there's no cohesion on offense. Guys are just gunning. Everyone's out for themselves. It's it's bad. I mean, it really is bad. I'm telling you, the Nets are a much, much better watch right now and way more worth the time. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. As always, thank you for listening. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on SoundCloud. The Facebook page is Jamal About Sports. The website is jamalaboutsports.com. The Twitter handle is at jamalaboutsportnos. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another show. Until then, thanks for listening. Peace out.